Welcome to You Gotta Have Faith. What is faith? In Hebrews 11th chapter 1st verse, the Apostle Paul writes, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. One where playwright wrote that it's believing you see white when your eyes tell you black. It's a belief when no one else believes. Dr. King says if you don't believe in something, you'll fall for anything. This is a podcast about faith. This is a Christian podcast where we share our faith and belief in God and also in mankind, the goodness and kindness in mankind. In today's world, we see lots of ugliness based on racism, misogyny, and age-old grudges. But there's goodness in all of us. There is goodness in this world. But it begins with our belief. you got to have faith. Today is January the 13th, 2018. I'm Reg Clay and Craig Dickerson. And we have a guest. Hey there. The first guest ever on Faith, Scott Munson. Scott, how are you doing? I'm doing really good, Reg, and I'm quite <laughs> honored to be your first guest. Oh, we're, awesome. We're totally honored to have you, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So great to have you here. So before we begin, uh, uh, let's see. I'll, I'll go ahead and open us up in prayer. All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for bringing us here on this wonderful uh, Saturday morning. We ask that you bless us as we uh, get into your word and we uh, focus on the uh, messages that you have to give to us. And we pray that um, you will guide us in our uh, reading of your word and our analysis of your word. And we pray that um, anything that we say and we do uh, is guided by your light. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. All right. Welcome, everyone. (laughs) Yeah, and it's uh, we we've been talking about having a guest on just to talk about their faith or whatever. Scott, um, you you were on our the Yay podcast, yes, uh, a while back, and you were a fantastic guest. Now, t- tell us a little bit about what you believe, your faith, because I'm not sure if you're affiliated with any faith. Well, it's 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 funny when I was growing up as a little boy in Hollywood, uh, my dad had been uh, as a child a member of the Serbian Orthodox religion. Oh wow. And my uh, stepmother, the woman who actually raised us, had been a Southern Baptist. That's and a so, wild combination. Yes. <laughs> and, and neither of them, I think, had had a very good uh, experience with religion. So uh, the only time we talked about religion when I was a child was when my dad would say, if we'd been acting up, you know, I'm going to take you kids to, to church and teach you some manners. No, oh, as a form of punishment. <laughs> yes, <laughs> very much a form of punishment. Huh. And that scared us because we had no idea what went on in a church. Mm. And, in fact, I was never in any uh, formal house of religion until well into my 20s or early 30s to go to, to weddings. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only experience that I had to any kind of religion as a child growing up was watching the Sunday uh, television programs in Los Angeles um, uh, we were talking about that over breakfast. That's you know. right. Yeah, the PTL Club and Jim, Tammy Faye Baker and Falwell and all those guys. And a whole cast of much smaller fry um, who uh, would get on uh, the TV because I think it was pretty easy to get television time in L.A. on Sundays. And, uh, you know, they almost all were of the, you know, if I put my hand up against the television and you put your hand up against the mm-hmm. television, <laughs> I, you will be healed miraculously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told the story about there was one preacher who uh, had a cloth. This is a cloth of God, and, you know, and we pre- prayed on it. And if you want this cloth and if you want a spiritual healing by this cloth, then, you know, give me, I don't know, $20 and mail it to whatever. And this is Jesus talking to you, and. So you have all these uh, shysters, you know, selling all sorts of stuff but, in the name of God. But the stories utterly fascinated me, the yeah. Bible stories. And um, I thought, uh, gosh, what is this all about? So I started uh, reading uh, the the Bible on my own. Mm-hmm. If you're hearing some stuff, uh, I have all of the doors closed or whatever, but I, my balcony is right outside of a... I guess they're doing some construction work. Hopefully it won't last forever. In <laughs> any case, go ahead. But, you know, just sort of self-taught. And, and, and of course, any, I think anyone who just picks up the Bible and starts reading it will immediately be struck by the incredible richness and drama of the stories. Yeah. So I, I, I was kind of self-taught. And uh, it's funny because um, I've realized, particularly talking with a lot of my friends who are Catholics, including my wife, who's French, who was raised in the Catholic Church, that I know the Bible a lot better than they do. 
Interesting. And they're stunned when we sit around and those and somebody will come on the French TV and talk about a Bible verse, and I'll start saying, "Well, that's blah 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 blah," and they'll go, <laughs> they'll go "You read the Bible?" <laughs> and, and that was like one of my first, uh, um, uh, you know, pieces of information to tell me that you know different uh, religions look at uh, reading the Bible and living with the Bible very differently. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm completely self-taught. I think you're in good company because we all are here yeah. kind of doing that same thing. Yeah. You, know? Yeah. Try, you know, one of the things that I've learned mm-hmm. as we've been doing this over the past few weeks is that the Bible itself has just been so reinterpreted and translated into so many you know, exactly. Different, I mean, different kinds of The Bible that views. I have in my lap right now has four interpretations. I've got King James, I've got the NIV, the New Living Translation, and the New American Standard. And those, those are just four. There's many, many more. And I have to say that you know, just as a, as, a, as a writer myself and as literature, I was always enormously attracted to the King James Version because it's so beautiful. Yeah. And you can't help but think that it's divinely inspired. How, you know, how did... I mean, uh, to me, it's the the greatest example of something that is "quote unquote" a translation that, in and of itself, is a fan- uh, the very a supreme work of uh, of writing, just in its own sake, because it it's so incredibly beautiful, and mm-hmm. so many phrases just burn their way into your uh, your mind and your imagination because it's it's so eloquently done. I mean, it's Shakespearean, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a verse. I think Hebrews has, says that the the word of God is living and active. And it cuts into the thoughts and conditions of the heart. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that was just a, an interpretation of that. We're going to go into, um, and then we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, some of the subject matter. Because there are a couple of subject matters. There's, a, um, there's an article that uh, came out this week about a pastor. Uh, this is a, um, Andy Savage is a pastor in uh, Memphis. 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 Yeah. And... Um, but before I get into that, let me get into the uh, Bible verse that I have here. Usually, Craig, you are the one who leads us into uh, this stuff based on um, um, the Wednesday. Yeah, uh, the, the kind of pastoral tract that uh, right. everybody's supposedly following you know, yeah. in the various Christian faiths. But uh, they didn't have it uh, this Wednesday. so Nope, um, nope. canceled, so we're freestyling. We're <laughs> uh, freestyling today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what struck me was uh, James 1st chapter, verse 22 through 25, and I'll go ahead and read it. This is the NIV version. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. That's awesome. Now wow. you had talked about the, uh, the King James. Let me read the King James Version. Excuse me. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. There you go. Wow. Poetic. Yes. <laughs> That's pretty deep. Yeah. yeah. Really I guess this was, a, this was a letter to, to whom? I mean, all these like, all these like latter day, you know. Yeah, I'm reading it, James 1.1, 1, 1, James, the servant of God, and to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered okay. among the nation's greetings, and then he continues. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, it was a, so we got a lot of, we've been reading a lot of letters from Paul yeah. to Corinthians, Paul to the Romans, <coughs> yeah. James. Yeah, immediately <laughs> after the crucifixion of Christ, um, you know, they're they, they establishing, these apostles are establishing the church, the first church, and um, and so these apostles are going out to these different tribes in different places and they're writing and exchanging letters to other folks as far as the guidance and, uh, you know, furthering the teachings of Christ. 
And so I think this is one of them. And you're right. It's very, very deep. Yeah, how, do we, how do we break that down? Well, when I first heard it, I, um, I think it's, it's incredibly personal. Hmm. And when I listen to it, uh, I don't know how many listeners to this podcast will have the same reaction, but I immediately started thinking about examples in my own life recently of, you know, am I really a doer mm-hmm. or am I just a, a listener? And, you know, it's easy to come up with examples where, you know, you were faced with a challenge or an issue where you had an opportunity to do, to be, uh, to act out, um, the message of, of Christ mm-hmm. and, um, you kind of turned away and, yeah. th- and that's, I think a very, um, you know, powerful, you know, looking in the mirror, powerful message. Oh, the one thing I just wanted to add to sure. is when you talked about my religious background, I have to give it up to Hollywood and all the Bible movies I saw. <laughs> as a kid. Oh, oh, especially the Ten Commandments, right? Oh, Ten God. Commandments, King of Kings, uh, a Greatest Story Ever Told, <laughs> oh, Demetrius yeah. and the Gladiator, The Robes. The yeah. Robes. Oh. <laughs> you killed a slave to test our master's robe? <laughs> <laughs> oh, all of these. Yeah. I mean, I, I owe as much to Victor Mature, I think. As yeah. I do to, uh, <laughs> to any official religion. There's one I saw there. not too long called Risen. Oh, I saw Risen too. That's a modern movie. That's, that's a, a modern movie. That's quite powerful. I, I would recommend that. That was kind of cool, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. I think the last good modern one was um, The Passion of the Christ. With Jim Cav- Jim Cavazel, I think, was the uh, was Christ. And it was the Mel Gibson-sponsored, mm-hmm. um, produced film. I saw uh, Noah. It's, it's funny, you know, a lot of modern today modern um, films don't have the same power, don't have the same reverence as um, like the Ten Commandments back in, you know, who was it, John Ford or Cecil B. DeMille, or who did that? Ten, Ten, Ten Commandments with Cecil B. DeMille. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cast of Thousands. Yeah, the Cast of Thousands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, man, you're, you're right that, that there, there is a lot of personal in this. I mean, you're looking at yourself, and yes. you, either you stick with it or you walk away. Yes. I find that I, when yes. I read more, like the early parts of the Bible are really more instruction. Of course, the Old Testament is like, you know, this is what – you get history, but you also get rules. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's sort of stoic, and uh, it's very rigid, and there's more, well, you know, this is what happens if you do wrong, and, you know, you'll be dead in eternity and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And as you get more and more into, especially the, the, um, the New Testament, there's, of course, the, you know, four – you have uh, Matthew, Mark um, – Luke and Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and uh, J- John. John. And then Paul. Paul is Paul is like the, the look. He's the big writer. Are <laughs> the kingpin as far as? But these letters. These are letters that go out to yeah. these various tribes. These are Paul, personal letters. Yeah. Well, Paul would Paul would be a little bit, you know, this, James, this this at least this part of James is that's pretty thick and and you know mm-hmm. and deep and mm-hmm. Paul would usually start with like, hello. All you lovely Christians, you're so great, and God loves you because you're doing it all great. You're doing, and you flatter them. Yes. You know, you just like pour on this charm and flattery. Mm-hmm. And then you go like, okay, now let's talk about what we need from you. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but it was which, so, which is not unlike modern times. So yeah, like, but hey, he, how are you doing so much? And yeah, God but, bless you so much. Okay, and here's, here's what I need. Paul would honey it up a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. and James just... You know, he just cuts right to it. Yeah. You know? Like, yes. It, and this this verse uh, is, it's almost more, I mean, because the Bible isn't really all that personable because we're talking about writings that are go, go back to 400, 500 years. Um, but this is really personal. A man mm-hmm. in the mirror. I mean, that, I mean, you know, we use these, ver- we use these uh, analogies today. Mm-hmm. So... The reason why I came up with this, let me read this article here, and I'll be just be real quick. Uh, Memphis congregation's response to reports that a pastor sexually assaulted a woman when she was a teenager is forcing some evangelicals into their own Me Too movement. After Jules Woodson, that's the girl, posted a detailed allegation that her pastor at the time, Andy Savage, sexually assaulted her as a teenager, the pastor admitted to a sexual incident, air quotes, with a high school student in a message on the church's website. He didn't name Woodson in the statement. 
Um, Woodson wrote that while Savage was driving her home, he pulled her into an isolated area before parking the car. He then exposed himself to Woodson before having her perform. Sorry about this, folks, but, um, well, I'll just say fellatio. That's the proper name for it. Um, and fondling her breasts. This is what she said. Yet, instead of following the course of so many recent sexual harassment scandals, reports that have toppled careers in Hollywood, media, and politics, Savage's public outing seems not to have upset his position. And it goes on and on. So basically, <clears throat> he announces, soft. he talks about a sexual indiscretion, and the congregation gives him a standing ovation. And his wow. other pastor gives him a hug. I mean, there's a video on it. I'll put a link to it on the Washington Post. And it, it just smacks of hypocrisy. I mean, there's so many levels that we can get into on this. And we, we don't even want to talk about the article. We may want to talk about the bigger issue of... Not just being a pastor, but being a carrier of the word. If you are a Christian or if you have a belief in a faith that is based on the Bible, you carry, you know, that Bible or the verses because that's the foundation of our faith, of our belief. But do you practice what you preach? Are you just spouting off Bible verses or do you really live to those words? And um, in my personal humble opinion, we have an individual who's not living up to his word. You know, he's... Um, trying to have his cake and eat it too you know he's um when we t you know all of us have sinned all of us have done bad things we either commit you know we, we either cop up to the sin we we had a podcast earlier about allocution about you know admitting what you did was wrong you can either say yeah i'm sorry okay i did it and that's it just and walk away from it and not really have it um be true to the heart or you can really say I am so, so sorry. I did this thing. It was horrible. Please forgive me. You want change. You want change within yourself. It is authentic. It is real. And I think that's what James is talking about now. He's saying, you know, if you look into, let me read the Bible verse again, um, or break into it again. Well, at least the first part I've got a, yeah, I've, go I've got a really neat, neat version. It's called the Common English yeah, Bible. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. It's such a watered down version. It was on the free shelf at Bible so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I always, get, you I always get, free, right? I always get the leftovers, <laughs> yeah. so, but you know, it kind of it's it's a little bit sweeter. Yeah, go for tone. it. Go um, for it. Um, you must be doers of the word and not only hearers who mislead themselves. Those who hear but do not do the word, but don't do the word. Mm -hmm do the word, that's interesting, um, are like those who look at their faces in a mirror, they look at themselves, walk away, and immediately forget what they were like. But those who study the perfect law, the law of freedom, and continue to do it, they don't listen and then forget, but they put into practice in their, in their lives, and they'll be blessed by whatever they do. Do the mm. word. It was kind of weird because you know, there's like you can translate word. The word the, the beginning was word. logos. I guess was the Greek, right? right? And it's like I think it meant more than just law. I think it was an active kind of thing. I mean, what, do you know anything about the well? What that might translation might have been? I I'm not or sure. Or spirit wasn't the word like the Holy Spirit? I or, well, or logos was like a spirit, an active thing. The thing that I think about is is the first verse I think in John, yeah. which is about God was the was the Word and the Word was God. Yeah, and, in and the beginning was it's like Genesis. Uh, that's coming. right. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> yeah. And and this mystical. Um, dimension to what is the word mm -hmm. and I, I think what this speaks to to me is that there really should be no division between the words that we say and the actions that we take very good they're, that's they're, exactly right they're very much the same it's a standard to which uh, only really a, a saint a holy person I think can actually attain I think all of us are um, I know me personally are are Longing to attain that state, but it's 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 hard to attain it. I I, I have mixed feelings about the the preacher. I think that I do too a little bit. Yeah. That that in a way, when I examine my own life, there are actions I've taken of which I'm profoundly uh, ashamed. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I don't think this particular action, preying on somebody in this way mm -hmm. and using your uh, position of authority to to get sexual favors from someone I, to me for this to be a true repentance there has to be I, th I think in the Catholic Church they call it an act of contrition 
I mean, I think that's the term, but I mean, if there's any Catholics out there and I've got this wrong, forgive me. But you have to do something mm. to, to, to show that your repentance is sincere. Yeah. And, for example, resigning your position. Right. In the church and, and saying, I need to go on a retreat. I don't, I forfeited the right to mm-hmm. speak to you. Yeah. And therefore, I need to, um, you know, just f- concentrating on on self examination mm-hmm. and and giving up my the power that I have and the status and the prestige I have as as a as a pastor or a priest. Yeah, and one of the problems that I have with um, authority, I mean, that's one of the reasons why so many people are pushed away. They turn away from the church, or they turn away from God. Because they blame the church and like instances like this, it's like, oh, gee, you know, if the church is going to forgive an individual for doing this, why am I going to the church? And it's unfortunate because it pushes people away from God. <clears throat> God, I mean, when, when I say that I'm a Christian, sure, there are tons of bad churches and we're people and, you know, and people we're fallible, mm-hmm. but it doesn't take away from the word of God. It doesn't take away from the goodness of God. And. If you have a church that doesn't force a pastor to truly allocute or truly repent, then, you know, what, why would he be motivated to do it? I mean, why would he motivate to say, okay, I need to quit or whatever? I mean, you know, I think about Al Franken, you know, um, the Democrats told Al Franken, hey, you got to go. Mm-hmm. But Roy Moore was almost elected, you know. I think despite, about this story in, in, yeah. in kind of a, I mean, I, I, I wish it were. It, it kind of hits me like one of Christ's parables because mm-hmm. it's like like the parables we were yeah. looking in Matthew, it's really kind of open ended, and you can break this this new. I'm talking about the news story now with the pastor. Yeah, I mean you can break it all apart, you know, you know um, unpack it. And w- what I'd like to do, and what we do in our Bible sure. study on Wednesdays, is we unpack the stories and we become a point of view of every character mm-hmm. in the story. Right, sure. Point of view of the pastor. Point of view of the 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 girl, the victim. Right. And I'm thinking, of, I'm looking at the congregation exactly. As a character, yes. yeah, and but these are not just not just one thing. They were all like just individuals. I mean, maybe some of them really, really wanted to forgive this guy, you know, because that's what they're told to do. And maybe some of them were like, you know, no, if we forgive him, then we're just as hypocritical as he is. But the, the the interesting thing about this parable, if we want to call it that, is that there are so many options. Yes. Yeah. The one thing that I think that. You know, when you're talking about contrition and, 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 you know, you're talking about really being forgiven or really asking for forgiveness. Right. One of the things I was talking to you before you showed up this morning, Scott, is like what I kind of got from the story is like, you know, we, we know innately in our, in our souls and in our very hearts or in our DNA even that we need to be loved and nurtured. Mm-hmm. As little babies, we need yep. it. Yep. We cry, demand it even. And as we go through life, we yearn to be loved yes. and nurtured. And part of the the word and part of the instruction of is that we're, we're doing in this Christian um, kind of evangelical way yeah. um, is we're saying, you know, we know that's a we know that's a certain thing. What we also know are a couple of other things is that God loves you and just loves you. Without what you know, whatever you've done or whoever you are, it just loves you, and that's it. And whether you can have it, accept it, or you can reject it, but it still doesn't stop it. The one thing that you know that the instruction has been given is like, go and nurture and love other people. Mm-hmm. That's the only way you're going to get the goodies. We had a a podcast where you went. What was the the Bible verse that you where you said that um, there are two: love God and then love your neighbor. Well, that's what Christ put together. He put he put together. You know, he he was he was. They asked at the temple what are the greatest rules, and he goes, "There's two: Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Put them together." Yes, Leviticus is love God. I'm the only God. Love me. I'm it. Mm-hmm. And then way down down the road in Deuteronomy, it was love everybody else too. Yeah. <laughs> you got it? That's it. Right. Don't need to know anything else. Yeah. Not right now. It's kind of complicated. And when you take that, I mean, <laughs> like, you know, when we talked to you know, at, um, at lunch, at, sorry, breakfast time, did this pastor, and really we could tie it into all of the sexual harassment stuff that's been going on throughout this year and, and late last year. 
men who look at women as sexual objects instead of children of God, just like, you know, anyone else. Do you have, I mean, that, and that's, that is, that's a serious issue. And also, I love the Bible verse that it talks about the mirror. I mean, uh, I don't know. Now, other translations talk about glass. Like uh, the King James Version mentions glass. Like he was like, um, verse 23, um, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. Um, the NIV Version says, um, is like a man who looks at a face in the mirror. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I have a very hard time looking in the mirror mm-hmm. <laughs> as I get older. Yes. It's like, you know, I'm just getting older and older, and these lines, and my hair's receding, and I'm getting gray hair, and what, and what have you. But when I look in the mirror, I'm forced to see me for who I really am, not just an image. I, I want to hold on to the image. Hey, I'm 20 years old again, or um, I'm still, you know, handsome. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with what, the way I look right now. Bridget, we're ready for you look great. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful, that friends? Let the record show. That bridge looks great. You yeah. can't see him, but he does. <laughs> he does look great. But, 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 I think all, all of us know how it is to look in the mirror and it's like, I'm 10 years older, I'm 20 years older. And it's when we, when we shy away from that, when we shy away from looking in the mirror, we're shying away from reality because we want to have the image in our minds instead of reality, what it really is. Well, that's funny, because I look at it a totally different way. T- tell me, tell me. I, I look in the mirror, and I see a facade. I love looking in the mirror. I love seeing that facade, because it's there, it's recognizable. Mm-hmm. I go, hey, Craig, you're all right. <laughs> you know, but the, what the mirror doesn't show me uh-huh. is what I really need to look at, which is deep down at myself. Interesting. You know, and that's what is, that's what it seems like this is telling me. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you can look in a mirror all you want. You can see yourself all you yeah. want. You can, you can reflect back whatever you want to say. I'm a happy man. Now that look is, at me. I said it. Yeah. I see it. And and it's and that's one thing about podcasting <laughs> because especially with, with a group of people because we get different interpretations. Like when I look in a mirror, I'm very apprehensive. I was like, Ugh. <laughs> but other folks can be a bit. I'm not going to say narcissistic, but you know, sort of. Yeah, you can say it. Narcissist. You can say it, narcissistic. <laughs> yeah, you you're, you're not a narcissist. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Oh, I love me. I just want 15 mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> Let the record show. Red says I am not a narcissist. <laughs> Scott, what, do you, what do you see when you see a mirror? Well, um, what does a mirror represent to you? Well, to, to me, it represented. Uh, it represents very much the sort of the internal. Uh, soul searching that when we that we should keep in mind when we're finding fault with others that um, that uh, I mean the, those wonderful lines about can you s- you know you can see the the beam in your brother's eye but or you know whatever that verse is about you, know, you, you can see the moat in your brother's eye but not the beam in your own hmm. and when I when I thought of that I thought I heard the verse because uh, it's very much on my mind right now I you know I thought of a um, something that an action that happened uh, very recently that made me feel really question whether my own commitment to any kind of Christian values. And that's Matthew 7. Yeah, really? Um, verse uh, 3. Yeah, and that's always struck in my mind. That's my really mind. beautiful. Yeah, that it, that it really says, I think it's so, some of the, the, you know, I think it's easy to sort of to uh, to find fault in others. That's That doesn't really take too much self-examination, but when you look in your own mirror and think about what have I done and you know what I what I'm referring to was not so much an act of, of, of praying on somebody it's more of an act of omission I was getting a script ready for a rehearsal over the weekend it was one of those 48 hour you know Shakespearean yeah things. yeah 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 and uh, I was driving around um, on the south uh, north second street in San Jose which is a really ravaged neighborhood full of people who are on drugs and you know it's it's a terrible neighborhood mm-hmm. and i was dry and i'd been up all night because it was one of these you have 48 hours to write rehearse and put the play on things mm-hmm. and i was so tired and i came to this intersection and i saw this woman who could have been anywhere from 50 to 70 years old who knows mm-hmm. and all she was wearing was a um very bulky like Aaron sweater mm-hmm. I mean that was all she was wearing mm. it barely covered her private parts she had no shoes and socks on mm. and she looked totally deranged mm. and she was just running around and 
it so startled me that I s actually spilled my coffee cup and, you know, I had coffee all over the, the, the car. And I sat there thinking, like, what should I do? Should I follow her? Should I f take her to the – should I call the police? Should I call 911? What should I do? And then the light went green and the guy behind you starts honking and you – you know, you drive forward, and mm -hmm. uh, and and I went home, mm -hmm. yeah, wow. and I, you know, and I, I well, as soon as I got home, I kind of went, oh, you Scott, you're so exhausted, uh, you know, you don't know where, you know, you didn't know what to do, and give yourself a break, blah blah, but, you know, the deepest feeling was I'd committed a sin, you know, that I hadn't taken that verse to heart or or any of the New Testament to heart, and uh, basically I just left her to her fate. And and you know, you know. Again, I don't know if this is a rational reaction. It's a very emotional one, and it really put me in a position where I almost feel, even though I'm not, I think this guy did a horrible thing, and he should right. go down. Right. But it it did put me in a position of judge not lest ye be judged, kind of. Thing. Oh sure. You know, when I think about things like that, uh, I, and I've I've gone through something like that. When I remember my second year at NYU, I was walking to class and early in the morning. And this guy was getting roughed up by a bunch of uh, kids. Uh -huh. And I didn't do anything about it. I just walked away. A lot of it was fear. Not apathy, because I did feel something for him. But I was like, oh, my God, you know, that could be me. I could get, you know. But I really didn't want to jump in and help him out. Um, but what if you did help out the woman, and then let's say you drive another block, and then another person is, I don't know, flipping out. And then another. And then another. I mean, you can't save everyone. So, just in your defense. I'm well, I, I know what you mean because it's true. I mean, I, I must have seen six or seven people in various shades of and stages of, of distress. Mm -hmm. but, uh, there was just something so dramatic about this. Sure. That, that yeah. it struck in my mind. But you're, 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 you're right. I mean, there's a, just this entire sense of, of as a society, mm -hmm. we're so callous and unfeeling and, and – you know, who decided it would be a good thing that these people should be wandering the streets and and not provide them with any care? And, and then you immediately you're into the political dimension. Sure. Which is always seems very, to me these days, very close to the spiritual dimension. They're very close. And, you know, when do your spiritual obligations become a, a, a political action? You know, that verse about rendering to Caesar the things that are Caesar's sure, yeah. has always... Um, Intrigued, bewildered, mystified me because what are the things that are Caesar's? What are the things that yeah. are God's? I think Matthew, when we were talking about, we went through the book of Matthew like mm -hmm. how many weeks? How many, uh, it seemed like it never ended. I feel very close to him now. Yeah. And, uh, and, all those, and all those wicked little parables that we yeah, had to yeah. break apart. But one of the things that was presented is that you, we live in a, because. God's eternal love universe is unimaginable. You know, it's forward and backward and timeless. And and we live in a very finite world where there's a beginning and there is an inevitable end. Um, that all we are given in this world is a binary choice. One, there will always be people who need, who are suffering. And two, you will see them and you will choose. Do you help? Or do you not? And that will always be your choice every single time you're here existing in this life form. Okay? That's it, yes. folks. It's, those are realities you can't. What, and you're right. It is a sin of omission. It totally is. But, what, but the, the punishment for you, Scott, is that it's in your crawl and it's bugging you. Mm -hmm. and, and that hurts. Yes. It hurts you. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, yes, you can go, you know, ride the next block and see the next poor, you know, needy person <laughs> have to help them or not. And you can go the next block and see the next poor needy person and have to help them or not. You know, and yeah, I can see the political thing, but it, I see how it affects us personally. Yes, sure. I mean, I wake up and I've got to do things I don't want to do. And I got to yeah. help somebody I'm not into it. Yeah, and yeah, and you've been it, helping out that friend for a while. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, yeah, and it and times it, it takes away from my valuable fucking around doing nothing time. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which, which I really love. Don't get me wrong. I love that time. Yeah. Yeah. That's my time. But if I don't, if I don't act, you know, and I and I'm, sometimes I choose not to act. I was like, I'm screw mm-hmm. this. I'm going to do what I want to. Yeah. And I end up going like, oh man, I feel like a shitty guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And and that mm-hmm. not only doesn't it not help the person that you know was intended to help, but didn't. But now I'm all screwed up about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not comparing my suffering to theirs. Probably isn't quite the same comparison, but it's suffering nonetheless. Yeah. Needless suffering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think if you, help, <laughs> if you help one person, let's say you can't help all of the others, at least you did your part in helping one person. Whoever that one person may be, it may not be you know that homeless woman, but it may be someone else. <coughs> You'll have all their opportunities to 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 help. I mean, for those who feel the the, the guilt of. Um, Knowing that there's someone in need and not, you know, being there. I mean, I've been on both ends of the spectrum where someone was in need and I was like, eh, don't worry about it. I'm not going to do it. And then I continue to help one person. Like there's one person I've I've constantly helped and I've given monetarily. And they're like, oh, thank you so much. Okay, now I need it again. Yeah. And I've done it again and again and again. So I think there are extremes. I think there are some folks who are like, oh, hell with the homeless. I'm not going to help them, period. And that is a real set I of omissions. I gave it the office or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. And they're like, there's not even the guilt of apathy. I mean, there's not even the guilt of, uh, oh, what's going to happen? They, they are totally, they have the, the callus. Like when you play guitar, you, you develop a callus on your <laughs> fingers where you don't feel anymore. Yeah. And that's, that's when society, you know, if a society has that, then you have a real, real uh, issue. Well, so, you know, like, like I said, we have the choice every day. You can work that muscle or, or, right. or let it atrophy, you know. I mean, maybe these people are in this position because they did that very same thing, just kind of said, screw it all. Wow. You know, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of folks who well, we're who, talking, who, we're talking who, about the drug uh, who believe who believe that yeah, you know, who believe like uh, you know they let them they, you know they want to be homeless yeah well I mean you know, like, there's an opiate epidemic that's going on you know and there's um, always homelessness and there's also gentrification you know like people are just being outpriced uh, of their homes here in the Bay Area and also uh, other parts of um, the big cities and, and everything. Not not to sidetrack, but to get into, I love that Bible verse. That's Matthew 7th chapter 3rd verse. And the NIV version says, And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? And I think that's what you were talking about. Oh, uh, I think the Berean Study Bible has, Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye but fail to notice the beam in your own eye? That's the one you were quoting. Oh, the Berean Literal Bible. And why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye? but not notice the beam in your own eye. And it's, it's funny. I think most of the Bible um, uh, references that I have are from King James because mm-hmm. I just find it so beautiful. So when they talk about, like, you know, now we see through a, a glass darkly, mm-hmm. you know, to me that's, you know, immediately I realize glass in this context means mirror. And that because that's that's the Bible that I, I self-taught on. Yeah. That's the one you found in like motels, right? You know, <laughs> right? And and back in the day, and this was before because I'm old enough now that this was before before there really was a feeling that there was a new wave of Bible scholarship and translation, and the King James was pretty much what there was, right? Exactly. And I, I just felt enormously um, uh, attracted by it, and and I found it enormously congenial because of its beauty. Yeah, and the King James version is, and why beholdest thou? the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considereth not the beam that is in thine own eye. Yes. Yeah, it's very poetic. Very, and very beautiful. Yeah. You know, one thing I wanted to say as, as we were talking is, and just to get us into really deep theological waters, mm-hmm. I have to say that one of the attractions to me about Christianity, and I don't know if this is a popular position <laughs> anymore, but I have to say that I found the concept of original sin attractive. That I found, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> and, and remember, this is somebody who never <coughs> went to church, never mm-hmm. listened to anybody lecturing you about you're a sinner, you're going to burn, all that kind of stuff. I never heard any of that stuff. I was just reading the uh, the Bible on my own, and the idea that that we all fall short of the mark yeah. 
and that we all have things that we need to ask forgiveness for mm-hmm. struck me as extremely personal and powerful. And I didn't feel, and, and I don't want to say anyone's wrong who doesn't feel this way. This is purely my emotional reaction. But that feeling that you come into the world with this capacity or capability to do things mm-hmm. that are unkind and ungenerous, I felt it very, very, very strongly and that the need for forgiveness is very, very strong. Yeah. It's, it's inter- I, I'm well, glad that you brought that up. That is, that is totally deep. Right? It is. It is. <laughs> you mentioned a glass darkly. That's 1 Corinthians 13th chapter, 12th verse. And it says, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. Very deep. Oh, it's, it's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Th- those lines about, it, and I, I shall be known, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I shall know even as I am known. I think that's, I think that's about as high as it gets yeah. in terms of literary beauty and quality and spiritual yeah. beauty. I want to touch on original sin because getting back to the story, but also with us, there are those who may say, well, hey, everyone sins. Okay, I sin, but everyone sins. So what's the big deal? And that's a very dangerous way of thinking about sin. Uh, I think about the Canterbury Tales when I mm. was in uh, high school learning about that. Geoffrey Chaucer had chastised the church in passing out, I think there were pardons, which were like uh, tickets. Like, oh, you sinned. Okay, give me 20 bucks and, you know, here's a pardon and you're pardoned. You're forgiven. <laughs> and uh, I forget the um, – I, I think that's how Geoffrey Chaucer had described how the church was doing it, basically saying, oh – did you sin? You know, did you sexually harass a girl? Well, everyone's sort of doing it. Okay, go ahead and forgive and we'll forgive you. If you look at sin in a very um, cavalier way, you're almost embracing sin. I mean, yes, we do sin, but not all of us embrace sin. Not all of us are, not all of us say, well, okay, yes, okay, I'm forgiven. I mean, I remember being a kid mm-hmm. and my grandmother, you know, sort of telling me, listen, Jesus is with you everywhere. And I'm like, what, am I in, what about when I'm in the bathroom? It's like, yes, he's in there too. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> and it was a way of saying, listen, he follows you everywhere. Even if you think you've gotten away with something, he's still there. And it's, it was a very important lesson that I learned. Whether it's true or not, it's what I believe. And it's important for me to believe it because it means that we still carry that burden, that responsibility of being good to myself and to others and to God. Wherever I go, even if I'm alone, I mean, physically alone, because there are those who, um, if they're alone, they're like, oh, well, no one's seeing me. I can do whatever the hell I want to do. Or I'm alone, but still I'm a child of God and I have to act accordingly. I mean, there's some who really take original sin very seriously. And they're like, I want to stay in the light as much as possible so that I don't sin and that I do exactly what God wants me to do. And then those are like, oh, no one's watching me. I can do whatever the hell I want to do. Craig, you've been silent. Oh, no, I was just thinking about uh, the things you're saying. Yeah. I, I was thinking about you know, what what you were saying about, you know, original sin being the draw, mm. you know. I, I think to me the Christianity, the, the draw for me is that realizing or maybe realize once again um, what I find so great about the Christ story is that, you know, God has presented something quite personal to each of us saying like uh, I want to I want I want to relate to you so badly I want to have a relationship with you yes. so badly yes. that I want to see what it's like to be you human beings mm. with all the yearnings and the, and the faults and the temptations and the and the desires you know and and the and the capacity to do bad and the the, the, also the capacity to do something maybe greater than you thought you could. I want to see what all that's about, and then I want to, and then I want to tell you that I've seen it, and then I want, uh, and then I want you to to understand that kind of relationship again. Reimagine that relationship. And I, I think, know? and I, I, I think that's right on the money. And I think that was one of the things because. You know, in a sense, I was studying a number of religions and could could have picked any of them mm-hmm. because uh, there was no guidance. There was to uh, to follow one or the other, and I I felt that there was something 
extraordinarily powerful in this story about someone who is God, mm -hmm. who is allowing himself to go through all this crap. And this this horrible. And I remember when, because uh, um, I'm a total wimp, I haven't seen it because I've heard it, and I heard it's incredibly bloody. But when the Mel Gibson movie came out, oh yeah, uh, Passion for the Christ, and everybody was criticizing it for being so gory, there was part of me that thought, well, that's you know exactly right. Yep, it is incredibly <laughs> gory. It mm -hmm. isn't you know this yeah. isn't like you know and you so often see in uh, Bible movies there's somebody up on the cross who looks a a, a great deal like you know like, Jesus like somebody just stuck him up there for show well yeah. he, he kind of was like <laughs> would you like more makeup Mr. Christ <laughs> exactly <laughs> I mean the, the joke I have is Jesus of Norway king of the Swedes <laughs> you right. know it's only the bliss blonde haired person up there who's got one little little yeah. mark here in, in one palm and one little mark in the other and he's yeah. pontificating while he's up there <laughs> and everyone is kind of taking notes you know mm -hmm. and and as opposed to this incredibly ghastly experience that uh, none of us would want to go through right right um that uh, that really yeah that really stuck with me i think in the philippines they still have uh during easter uh a person who will carry the cross mm. i think some even go to the extent of being nailed yeah uh to the cross to feel i don't know if it's extreme or not but i, I think there are some who are like i want to feel the same thing that jesus felt wow um, it reminds me so much of your wonderful play, WWJD, in which Craig Dickerson was the lead actor. And he was brilliant. By yeah. Him. Oh, gosh. Where uh, you have so that sweet. wonderful story in the very end, that wonderful monologue of, um, I think there were missionaries yeah. in Japan. Feudal yes. Japan. Yes. Yeah. Uh, who was going to kill a missionary if he did not denounce the name of God. And um, I think the missionary talks about, you know, seeing the cross in his hand. And it's speaking to him, saying, "Yes, you can spit on me. You can do this because I'm built for this." Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. made, I'm made, <coughs> made for endurance. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's 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 wild. I, and I we are frail. Think. Yes, we are frail. Yeah, I mean, I remember when when, when was that production? Two thousand five, two thousand six. Oh, long, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. At least ten years. At least ten years, and I still remember. I still remember that scene. Well, I'm very pleased you and flattered that you do. Right? Yeah. yeah, Craig really played the bottom out of that part. Yeah. Well, yeah. Did a I, I had job. I had a I had a wide loving net. <laughs> 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 I'll tell you. Yeah. Great writing, and wonderful cast, and great director, and, mm -hmm. and the audience really got it. Yeah. yeah. And that, yeah. that helps too. Yeah. You know. And I remember we were talking about that on the uh, the Yay and we talked about faith and how faith was so important to you because it occurred to me you couldn't have written that scene if without having a deep sense of faith. Yes, I, I, I would say that one of the most powerful uh, feelings in my life is this longing for a connection. Mm -hmm. And I you know, I I can't say that I entirely feel it. I it comes and goes. Sure. And you know, I I feel a deep envy for people who seem like they live and breathe it all the time. Mm -hmm. That you know, that re they really feel uh, God's presence in their life, and that if they they I don't mean like they ask for something like I'd like a new Cadillac Coupe de Ville or something, but you know, they 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 speak to God and they feel God responds. Um, I I envy that because I I wonder if I've really had that experience. Mm -hmm. if it's, if what I've experienced is more like an an absence or a longing or but just flickers of a sense of a connection and I sometimes feel that it isn't so much that I think that there isn't anything there it's just that I don't have the right equipment to pick up the signal mm -hmm. and that's 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 haunting and, and troubling I you know I that's what I think what I wonder about a lot about um, you know ma making that connection and making it a, a firmer or more stable connection rather than a longing. And I, I wonder, I mean, when I when I look at you, Reg, I really feel that, you know, you're someone who has that connection in a more, um, you know, the analogy to me is like the radio frequency. I feel like I pick up this, you know, like you're driving out in the middle of the desert and you're kind of getting <laughs> channel, yeah. you know, the golden oldies, but you've got the, you know, you've yeah. got the thousand watts of power. And yeah. Well, I, I, I'm going to be quite honest with you. I don't have a church home, and mm -hmm. I think sometimes that's deliberate. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been to a couple of churches. I mean, I appreciate, you know, what you're saying, but I don't want to say that I'm the, you know, personified Christian. Um, and I've even had, you know, some Christian friends who have a church home. And they're like, oh, come to our church. And, you know, we want to, we've got, you know, 
you should come and all that sort of stuff. I've been to a couple of churches and, you know, some have been very good. Um, and some, you know, sort of pushed me away. There was one church where they passed the collection plate at least three or four times. They were like, okay, Christians, you know, come on now. We're going to do it one more time, you know. We're giving church. And I'm like, these folks are poor. I know that these folks are poor. They don't have the money. So why are you doing this? Yes. Um, and sometimes that sort of pushes me away. I, I, you know, there's some Christian friends of mine who are like, how can you call yourself Christian and you don't go to church? Um, I still think you can. I still think that, um, I mean, maybe I will. And maybe, you know, my frequency isn't that great when it comes to, let's say, fellowshipping and actually worshiping at a church home. But I still think that you can still hold on to the Bible and you can still adhere to the teachings of the Bible and still uh, be good to your fellow man uh, and the way that Jesus wants you to. Um, I think it's just something that has to happen. I mean, not that it can't happen when you're an adult, but I think when you are raised as a child in the Christian faith, I mean, you know, my entire family mm-hmm. goes to church. I went to, I came from a family where everyone went to church. It's like, what do you mean? You know, like they would look in the church like, okay, where's so-and-so? Where's Rachel? Where's Jimmy? Where's Jim? Okay, everyone's here. And they'll talk <laughs> about you if <laughs> you're not there. Oh. I mean, the pressure, I mean, I laugh about it, but, you know, sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's not so good of a thing. I mean, I think about the uh, the article here about the uh, the uh, the parishioners who applauded the pastor. I'm sure a lot of that was forced. They were like, hey, well, this is our pastor. Yeah, you, you know, yeah. you could be loyal. It, you could you could look at it that way. Yeah, I, I kind of I kind of feel a little bit pity for them. But at the same time, it's like, well, maybe they just wanted to forgive the guy yeah. really badly. I mean, yeah. getting back to the Bible I mean, verse, you know, <laughs> I mean, getting back to the Bible verse, looking into the mirror. It's not about your own sins, but it's about how do you judge other? Well, I, I shouldn't say judge, but how do you look upon someone else mm-hmm. and their sins or what they're doing? Do you just blindly accept it? Do you sort of enable a person to do what they do? Or do you challenge them? I mean, sometimes I think a Christian's job is to challenge. I mean, Craig, you challenged me. It's like, hey, let's do a Bible podcast. I don't see how. I'm so watered down in my faith. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously. I mean, that's like. No, 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 you're doing very well. No, I mean, I I know what you mean about the static on the radio and as far as the spiritual connection. Because I kind of like, Mm -hmm. to me, it's kind of like I'm skeptical about my every decisions that I make and decisions, you know, you know, mm-hmm. as far as faith are big ones. So I'm very, very skeptical and very, you know, it's like heaven, hell. I can't really deal with that concept. I don't like that concept. It doesn't work for me, you no. know. We have a debate about uh, and, Satan. We just still haven't, and, you know. And it, and it makes me very skeptical. But yeah. at the same time, I'm the, there's this little voice that says, every time I am skeptical, every time I am giving it powerful thought and 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 effort, there's a little voice that kind of says. Well, you're getting closer. Oh. Mm-hmm. You're closer. Yeah. You're closer. You're not there. You're closer. Yeah. Let that be good enough than not being closer. Wow. Isn't and that one whole analogy of like, almost like hide and seek? I mean, mm-hmm. like there's something. Well, like, I think it's about being Episcopal. I was telling a joke. Yeah. A joke I mean, yeah. Uh-huh. Last, last week, you know, <laughs> a Catholic person said, like, oh, I'm, I must confess I f- I'm Catholic. I feel guilty. And, yeah. And, and, and I said, that's all right. I'm Episcopal. For no, and I really don't care that much. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I think we are kind of, uh, I mean, at yeah. least, you know, the Episcopals yeah. are a little bit, a cool a little bit kind of iffy yeah. about this. But there's a cool analogy, like um, Norman G. on the Yay, he, he had talked about a uh, an acting assignment where there's a, um, there's, I don't know, a watch that is lost on stage, mm. and an actress has to look for the watch, and that is her objective. No. Find the watch, <laughs> or else uh, you got to, uh, you know, or, you know, in, and if you don't fulfill that objective, what's going to happen to you? And so she goes for like 10 minutes looking for the watch, but she's not really looking for the watch. She's just going through an acting thing. It's like, oh, yeah, 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 I feel wonderful. And the teacher's like, so where's the watch? It's like, well, one minute, there's a real watch? Yeah, there's a real watch. And you're going to lose your scholarship, and you're going to get kicked out of class if you don't find that watch. Wow. And she just went tearing after wow. the watch, tearing. To, and she finally found it. It's like, oh, my God, I found it. Oh. And I was like, now how do you feel? Yeah. And so that was an interesting acting. But wow. getting back to the analogy, looking for God, looking for the truth, looking for the truth within yourself. How hard are we looking? Is it like, oh, I read a Bible verse. I went to church, so you know I'm fine. I'm done. <laughs> or do you really, really search to find something within you to find a connection, a true connection? I mean, I, I think about people who are married. Like the two of you are married. I'm still single. 
Um, unfortunately, I really do want to find someone. No. Um, but I think about the connection between, you know, you and your wives. Um, not that it's the same as the connection with God. I mean, I think of, they say that agape is the love of God. Plato's uh, or um, platonic love is love between man. And Eros is, of course, you know, a sexual love. But, you know, when you talk to Beatrice, you guys have a connection. I mean, you may not need to talk every day, but you understand each other. Um, do you find, this is an odd question, do you find the the relationship, um, I'm sure it changes in time, right? I mean, do you feel that it's stronger or weaker as time goes on between you and your wife? Well, it, it's a funny thing because on, on a spiritual level, I've always felt that Beatrice has an incredibly strong connection to, um, uh, for lack of a better word, the love of God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I feel like the radio signal for me is in and out, mm-hmm. I feel again like she has the five, you know, mm-hmm. thousand watts of power broadcasting <laughs> across the Mexican border to, to, to all of the Western United yeah. States. Yeah. Um, and, um, it's. I feel like she walks in the light mm-hmm. and uh, understands things uh, that I don't, and um, so I, I. I guess there's an element of envy there, mm-hmm. if I'm being completely honest, because I. I, I again, it, for me, it's more intermittent. Craig, how do you respond to a question like that? I mean, Daisy strikes me as a very spiritual person, but even I don't think I know her very well compared to you. So. Yeah, she pushed you into getting into the church. She pushed me because she knew that I wanted it really badly. Yeah. Uh, Daisy's an, an incredibly sensitive oh, gosh. human being. I mean, I mean and, and, I'm, and I mean that in the most positive way possible. It's like she will find the heart in every person that she meets. Mm. She will find that heart. She, she doesn't coddle it. She challenges it. That's you know, true. I mean, she she goes open up. You know, you know, to every person she meets, and uh, and it's and it's and it's quite interesting because people respond. Yes, people respond to her. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just like oh, okay, because yeah. <laughs> yeah. she does. She like she yeah. like point blank, and you know, and and she'll just she'll just be as honest as the day mm-hmm. is long. But I guess my question is, like, it's different talking to someone you're intimate with or, or talking to, like, if I'm going on a first date, sure, it'll be a wonderful date and I'm dressed to the nines and all that stuff and I see all the wonderful things, but I don't know this person. It's different from, let's say, you've known someone for 10 years, 20 years, and you have a, a way of connecting which is so deep in connecting and that it's that you don't even need to worry. I mean, you could just look at her and know what she's thinking, and she may look at you and know what you're thinking. And I think about people whose relationship with God is so close. They pray, they pray every day. They read the Bible every day. It's like their connection is as close as a marriage. And I wonder if there's a parallel between, I guess, um, I mean, all of us are, I mean, I think that all of us are, we're not veteran Christians, you know, we're just sort of learning and we're, we're growing along the way. But I'd like to think that hopefully, you know, as we get deeper into our faith, that our connection will be as close as, as, as our intimate partners, where um, our connection is so, um, so deep that we don't. There are people who shy away from praying. There are people who shy away from saying the word Jesus Christ because it's too foreign or, or whatever from them. Or they shy away from uh, going to the church or opening up the Bible because it's 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 foreign. And then there are those who are so comfortable with it, just so so comfortable. It's like their wife or their husband or so. Well, well, I do feel some a lot of power in the analogy. I mean, the thing, you know, I had a friend once who was a Jewish rabbi, and he said to me, Scott, I'm going to make you an honorary Jew because you're the guiltiest person I've ever <laughs> met. And uh, this is for true. And Morgan Reese, if you're listening to this, uh, I remember this all these years later. But, you know, and I was thinking about the um, 
the the element of marriage. I mean, when you've been with somebody a long time, married a long time, they really have seen you at your worst. Mm-hmm. You just oh yeah, you know, yeah. You, that first date, you're funny, you're witty, you're you're dressed to the nines, and you can keep that up a certain amount of time, <laughs> right? But eventually, they're going to see you when you're petty, argumentative. Uh, a week. And we've had this conversation. How come that guy got that role? How can they produce that play and not mine? And mine is so much better. And, yeah. you know, and, and, and pick up uh, your, pick up your underwear. Yeah. You know, why, why do I have to? I like throwing it on the floor. You know? <laughs> right. You know, and they've seen just about every bad thing about you that there is in the way that I would imagine that yeah. God has. Yeah. And um, so I feel, and they still love and forgive you. Mm-hmm. Then you do feel the power of the analogy because um, going back to that idea that I, uh, that I, I, you know, when I contrast the, the the various kind of wisdom traditions. I think what one of the things that did attract me to Christianity was forgiveness and the need for forgiveness, and that you will be forgiven. So. I seem to be coming back to my original point quite a bit here. Mm-hmm. What about you, Craig? I mean, do you think the analogy is pointed, or do you think there's something deeper? No, uh, I, th- I, th- I think the way I relate in marriage is a lot like the way I would <laughs> relate to a god. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Is he a god? This is my god. She helps me not be afraid. Yeah. You know, I mean, when I'm with her, I, I, I feel, you know, like I've got, a, I've got an advocate, a helper, and I don't have to worry about what other people are going to do or mm-hmm. not do for me. So you know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of nice in that respect. But as, but, you know, it's also, you know, they do. They see everyone. They see you. At your worst. Yeah. At your worst. And the fact that that's okay still. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That you can have a bit of, you know, grace, Mm -hmm. you know? You're allowed, you know, you're you're allowed a bit of grace above all those things. I think it's quite a privilege, really. And, you know, know, it's fascinating. And now we come full circle because we talk about the mirror, you know, the the verse of James. (laughs) You know, um, when we look at someone, especially someone intimate, like, God or like our partners, they see us in our best and our worst, and they're still with us. And if we look at them, not as tits and ass, but as a full human being who we have true respect for, then it ascends, it transcends, you know, the petty relationships or the petty, you know, like that first date and, you know, you're just going through the motions. It's a deeper, it's a deeper love. Um, that we should have both with God and also with each other. And I think about this pastor. If he looked upon that woman not as tits and ass, but as a real woman, he wouldn't be in the controversy that he's in, he's in right now. Yeah, I think there's a tradition, certainly there's a, a, a tradition of, you know, religious authorities who oh, have yeah. fallen in love with their parishioners. It doesn't always have to be an exploitive relationship, though it, it's really close to one. Because there's such a power differential, but you can genuinely fall in love with someone. Well, sure. But you have to be honest. You have to say, listen, you know, this is how I feel. Even if you're married, you're like, you know, tell your wife, listen, um, I feel this way for this other person, and I want to, you know, navigate this, you know, the best way possible. And yes, I'm, I feel bad, but this is how I feel, and I want to be honest about it. There are ways of doing it, um, and it doesn't have to be this way. When I was a kid, I remember seeing... Uh, a Diana Rigg, who I had a tremendous crush ah, on yes. from the Avengers, Mrs. Peel. That's right. And she Who's also in Game of Thrones, well before she got killed off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Spoiler alert. Oh, sorry about that. Go ahead. But, but she did this uh, play called Abelard and Eloise, I mm-hmm. think, which uh, was the story of uh, Abelard was this, uh, a true story, was this medieval theologian who falls in love with this nun named Eloise, and uh, they have sexual relations, mm. and... Uh, you know, the his enemies discover it, and he's denounced as a hypocrite, and he's castrated. Ooh. So you know, so there, you know, there was a case where he certainly <laughs> made an act of contrition. My yeah. goodness. But but you know, I I can see that you can have a genuine feeling of love. It doesn't always have to be exploitative. But right. Uh, but um, 
you know, you really have to examine it with the eyes of, you know, am I exploiting my position? Am right. I taking advantage of someone? I mean, it's a little bit like when you're a college professor and, uh, you, know, what, you know, there's somebody in the front row who looks up at you with blue sure. eyes and goes, oh, you're so brilliant. Everything yeah. you say is so wise. There's, and, a, there's a movie called LG with Ben Kingsley and Penelope Cruz oh. that talks a little bit about that, the professor. But what popped in my mind was Jimmy Swaggart. Remember Jimmy oh, Swaggart? Oh, gosh, and yeah. I have sinned, and he has, you know, crying out of his eyes and all the stuff because he uh, picked up a prostitute. <laughs> and then he picked up a prostitute again afterwards. <laughs> well, oh, the well. thing is, is that, you know, all this is coming to light, all these, like, uh, you know. And, and you're right, Scott. It's about, the, uh, it's about power, and, and, the, and, the, and, you know, the men have been the powerful yeah. ones in, the, in these particular um, areas, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it be in Hollywood or politics or media or yeah. churches or yeah. you know or or universities, you know it's it's it's. What's it, that Lord Acton um, phrase? Uh, power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Well, it's, yeah. it's been corrupting, and and it's just yes. it's. I mean, it's not like it's news to women, right? You know, and it and it feels really ridiculous that it's news, you know, yeah. still. Yeah. But uh, but that's what that's. That's what's coming to life. I mean, yeah. And it's, you know, because everyone's talked about the Me Too movement or whatever. I haven't heard a lot of, as a Christian, what do you do about it? You know, what is the Bible's, what does the Bible have to say about this? And this is the closest that I've come to as far as what do we as men or what do men, you know, as folks in power or as Christians, you know, how do you look upon yourself? Um, you know, I think this mirror thing is, is very potent. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Well, we've hit the one-hour mark. Oh, uh, <laughs> it happened by quickly. Yeah. It did. It did. Hey, you know, uh, time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. Did you enjoy yourself, Scott? Well, I had a tremendous amount of fun. This was this was great. I'm just sorry that the hour is up. Well, yeah. thanks, well, thanks for being here, man. This is yeah, great. Yeah, no, this is awesome. Uh, Craig, you want to close this out in prayer? Sure. I just want to say thanks, Lord. <laughs> Once again, here we are. Um um, enjoying uh, the inspiration of your words, having it touch us and move our lives, and hopefully, with through lively conversation and warmth and love, uh, the two people here and the people listening anytime, anywhere, um, they could feel your love too, and maybe a little wisdom as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. So, here's my end bullet. Faith is a podcast open to anyone. You may not believe at all. You may be Muslim, Jewish, agnostic, or atheist. You may have had a horrible experience in the church, which has made you turn your back on God. You can still have faith. We ask that you listen to this podcast, even challenge us on Facebook or on SoundCloud, and share what you feel. Don't feel alienated because we speak of what we believe. The Bible has been around for thousands of years, and even now in the age of the Internet and social media and great technology, it still has a message for all of us. You can listen to this podcast, well, you're listening to it now, but you can tell your friends on the Apple Podcast app or on iTunes. Just open up the iTunes app, click on store. Don't worry, you're not going to buy anything. You go on the search engine and on the upper right-hand side and search for you got to have faith and you will find us. If you're an Android user, you can download SoundCloud or just go on SoundCloud.com and search for us and you can find us. Thanks for listening and God bless. We're out. Oh, oh.